and welcome back to the Thinking Room podcast. Coming to you out of our studio in South East London. Just four guys sitting around a table, really. It's good to have you listening again. We hope you've been enjoying some of the uh, content that we've been putting out to you over the past months. If you have been listening, we always ask if you can uh, comment on our social media, our Instagram page, a Thinking Room podcast is where you can go and chat to us. And uh, please keep your comments coming, your reviews coming on iTunes and uh, and your comments there as well are very much appreciated. We, we're basically just trying to start a conversation amongst men and we'd really appreciate it if you could help us in that. Now, have you ever been in a situation where someone asks you about your faith and you'd love to respond and tell them all about Jesus, but deep down you're kind of scared of being laughed at, stereotyped as a religious fanatic or just completely dismissed and you don't want to be that guy. So to save face, you play things down and you try to avoid the conversation. Or do you like to go all out whenever the opportunity arises, preaching your faith with such conviction that you convert non-believers there on the spot, leading them to Christ in front of the whole pub, laying hands and casting out sickness as you go? Or does saying the sinner's prayer with someone just make you cringe and wish Christians would just tone things down and act more normal? Well, maybe you just probably like most of us in this room, somewhere in the middle of all those extremes, but when it comes to sharing the gospel, just wishing that we could maybe do a little bit better. Well, the thinking room is here to help, giving you room to think about the things that matter most to us as men. And this time we're talking about the non-Christians in our life and how we can share the gospel. How do we feel about it and how do we navigate the great commission to go out and disciple all nations in what is increasingly becoming a more and more secular society? Joining me as we head through this journey of proselytization, conversion, and often rejection are three dudes who go by many weird and wonderful names, but I just like to call them Dan, Glenn, and Adam. Welcome back to the show, gents. Thank you. Good evening. Good to have you here. Dan, you're looking, uh, you're looking pretty dapper this week. You, um, I see you're missing the, uh, you're missing the bum bag. The summer's over, so now I can carry a jacket. It's only a summer thing, well, right? <clears throat> now I've got a jacket you can carry... Your wallet and your man possessions that you can't do when you're wearing shorts. Yeah, but you just you're just not looking as hip anymore, Dan. You just you just like a normal guy now. This is a great conversation. I had my I had my hair up in a man bun last night when my wife came home. Can I ask? Are you going for the Aslan look? Is that intentional? Kind of that wild lion slash Peter Pan Neverland look. I was actually hoping for that look to come out, and it's very hard, very hard look to try and pull off that one. It's very hard. You're nailing wild sloth, though, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Smashing it. Sometimes I see myself in the mirror at work and I think, my goodness me. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's good to have you guys back on the show again. Episode 7. Wow. This is a a complete number, I guess. I think Mm. we can stop here after this. Completion, absolutely. Well, now there's many more things that we've we've got to talk about, Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can... Get into it, but um, Glenn, you you said you had uh, an interesting story about on your on your way here today. Do you want to share that with us? You've been you've been keeping us on tenterhooks. Yeah, coming straight to me, um, yeah. So I guess um, uh, some of the things we're trying to think about this week, um, this month, are really just um, how we share the gospel. And so I'm walking to the station, and um, there's a guy walking towards me who, who I, I notice straight away just drops. It's dark, but he drops something on the floor, like quite obviously. A kind of leaflet, and I thought oh, that's a bit strange, you know, just chucking it on the floor. Keep going, and um, I see the guy, and so there's a I, I don't know, you know, who this guy is, but he's giving out leaflets. Okay. Another guy tracks back to the guy giving out leaflets, and he and he he just says, um, "Who is Jesus? 
I'm like, ah, oh, here we go. <laughs> this is it. And I can't hear what the guy giving out the leaflets says. But then the guy hears the answer and he says, and what does he stand for? And I just carry on going to the station and I'm just thinking, yeah, this, this isn't working. <laughs> this isn't working. And it's, it's just one of those moments where I thought, oh, that's, that's really timely, I think. But was it not working for, for that guy? Was it not working for you and, the, and how he was doing that? I, th- I think it was just a picture for me of the one guy getting, you know, two yards and throwing it on the floor. And the other guy who was sort of, it, he was asking it in such a kind of aggressive, strange, hyped up way that you just think, wow, is this... Uh, oh, man. Yeah. So let me get this clear. The one who was asking who is Jesus was one who had received a leaflet yeah. from a guy passing it. Yeah. Well, that's all right. That started a conversation, yeah, didn't yeah. it? Well, it did start a conversation. Yeah, I would he's, love... He's I've probably never Googling had... it right now, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the answers are on Google. Of course, if he goes ask Google who is Jesus, he's going to get a perfect answer. Um, absolutely not. But I would love someone to come up to me and say, who is Jesus, or the opportunity to start on that com- conversation. It's like, well, how do you ever get there? But yeah. I'm really against it handing out leaflets at yeah, the same no, it time. It didn't look like that kind of conversation. <laughs> it looked like it was, um, you know, he was about to throw down over, over who Jesus was and what he stands for. But, um, yeah. Okay. So this is it's obviously some guy who's really taken to heart the idea that he is here on this planet to tell everybody about Jesus. And, you know, in, in the gospel, that is what Jesus tells us to do. He, he says for Print us leaflets. to... Something like that. Something go into along all those the world lines. And print leaflets. Yeah, yeah. Or, or <laughs> he says something along the lines of going to the whole world and disciple all, all nations, um, teaching them to obey everything that I have told you. Of, um, you know, otherwise known as the the Great Commission, and um, it's something that I think you know defines who we are as Christians. It's it's Jesus' last great commandment to us, and something I think that we we need to take on board. But you know, let's let's be honest. In everyday life, just trying to do our Christian life and trying to keep ourselves together, is that something that mm. we do actually always take to heart? Is that something that is all at the front of our mind? You know, trying to let other people know about who Jesus is, taking on that commission that He gave us to disciple all nations. Is you know, it's an even it's an even bigger thing. Um, I don't know. There's 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 many levels to that. Dan, let's start with you. How do you how do you feel about that verse? How is that how is that shaping your thinking and and you know yeah I mean I think it's, life. It's, it's I think classically it's understood isn't it as go and tell people about Jesus right yeah. that's how we I think classically understand it go and preach the gospel but I think for me personally I think there's a, there's a bit more to it than that and I I like what Dallas Willard who who's a, who's a great thinker and he he kind of puts it as more go and make disciples is almost like to go and make like apprentices of Jesus, which is quite like, like his wording that he likes to sort of put it that way. And I think mm-hmm. that's a really good way of putting it is that you really want to kind of help people to follow what Jesus said, but also how Jesus lived and what he did. Yeah. And actually kind of people to realize that that is what makes your life make sense. And it, it makes it, it makes everything work. And it, if, if it's almost like to be, an apprentice is to kind of be a learner mm. of Jesus. So how did he go about life? How did he, how did he navigate life? You, and just to help people along that way. And I don't think it's necessarily also about trying to preach to those who aren't Christians. It could be how you interact with your family and your wife and even, even friends who are Christians. Mm. Still constantly challenging people to, to keep learning from Jesus and, and how, he, how he lived, how he responded to, to difficulties. Mm. So if someone's going through like suffering... Or someone's going, you know, or someone who was a Christian, they're kind of going, how are you kind of 
help them back? How do you help them navigate through suffering? For me, it's yeah. helping someone to be uh, a disciple, like to, to be a learner, not somebody who just throws everything out, you know. So I think it's, there's a bit more to it. And I think it encapsulates everything. Um, still to kind of present the message, but also just help people to 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 want to obey and yeah. to kind of... And I think you've got to start at that point, really. But, but it's a lot more holistic view you're taking of it there. I mean, yeah. this is good stuff. You're opening up another conversation here. Adam's loving it. He's making notes literally <laughs> as we speak. You're, you're that influential, Dan, that Adam can't just sit by and listen. He's, he's like, wow, let me, let me record this. I'm sure he's um, pouring over some thoughts of his own, though, about to uh, give, us, give us an opinion on uh, kind of like a rebuttal on what Dan just said. No, I don't think it's as much of a, a rebuttal as it is um, just an affirming affirming of that. I was I was back back home this summer over in the states, and I was chatting with a good friend, and um, just about his life, what he's what he's looking to do. And he's I grew up with this guy. He's a, he's he's a Christian. He's a believer. He's been going to the same church that I grew up in his whole life. Um, he's seeing someone. I just ask him where he sees his relationship heading, and a great guy. And um, he wasn't quite sure and, and he wasn't quite sure because he didn't know where the other person really stood in their walk with God. And I said, well, I, I can see how that could be mm. an issue. Um, and, and she was a bit tainted by, by what she'd seen in, out of the church in the past and was quite damaged by that and what people have told, told her. And I said, well, you know, the reason that, that people are turned off of, of Christ sometimes is because they've never seen the real thing. Mm. Yeah. So, so what is the real thing? Because yeah, God is true. love, and if any, if something isn't, if someone presents God in a way that isn't love, like the big picture of love, they're not presenting God. Yeah. And uh, very few people would would reject this this God of love. And I just said, well, what does love look like? And she knows what love looks like, and she mm. sees she sees God in Him. She sees God all over in, in families. Um, because that's where Jesus is. Like Jesus is love. Like it's very explicit. God's love. So how am I presenting love? Um, I'm not quite sure where I'm going with that. But the challenge isn't necessarily for me anyway. In my profession, in my career, isn't necessarily to preach and evangelize as much as it is to represent love. And to do that, I have to be connected to the source. Mm. Because for me, it's a long term. It's a long term gain. Yeah. You know, I'm in a school. I'm not out there preaching. I'm, I'm doing my best to communicate love. And over the years, what I've seen is the fruit of that has actually influenced my boss, has influenced my colleagues, has brought mm. life and light and success to my organization because I'm pursuing mm. this God of love and, and doing my best to whatever way I can to represent that. And to me, that, that's, that's my evangelism. But to, what yeah. end, but to what end is that? Because, you know, a lot of the time when we talk about sharing the gospel and traditional Christians will talk about sharing the gospel with non-Christians and non-believers. It's all about this, this word that um, only Christians understand what it means, this, this word of being saved, you know. And when we're, when we're talking to people, if it, if it doesn't end up with them being saved, then is there any real point? It's all about trying to get people saved. And that's kind of like the extreme... And but uh, and, mm. you know you were talking about it in more holistic approach, yeah, Dan. You yeah. know, there's there's more to it than just heaven and hell. And I, for one, hate it when Christianity is reduced down to a heaven and hell scenario. I, I think mm. there's so much more to, to Christ than that. Even if in the end that is what it boils down to, I would never try to lead with that. But you know, the, we, I guess we have to ask the question: To what end are we trying? 
What is what are we trying to achieve when we're trying to share the gospel? What what do you think Jesus really meant when he asked us mm. to share the gospel? Is is it just about saving souls, or is is there something is there something more to it than that? And, and, and what what kind of approach should we have when we look at non Christians? How should we view them? Should we view them as lost and unhappy? And you know, well, not if they, not they don't even Jesus. know they're lost in the first place, right? As long as you got to start. Yeah, place, right? and a lot of them are happier than Christians, so you know that that rules that one out straight <laughs> yeah. away. Yeah, um, someone needs to be saved when they're like, "Well, I'm not, I'm not lost yeah. yet." You know. Yeah, you're the one who lives the boring recluse of a life. Like, yeah. Why, yeah. why do I need to be saved from from your life? Very true. I mean, that doesn't. But like, even if you look at Jesus, he didn't really try to like you know get people to you know evangelize in the way that we traditionally do in modern day church. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? He's he's often just challenging people. Yeah, like mindsets. He was almost random in every different situation. He was very different, case by case with people. But I think what underlies it is what Adam is talking about: is that the what what that looks like in answer to your question, in my view, is to you know we boil the gospel down, don't we? To love God and love people. But in this case, it's um, because we love God, we love people. Mm. So, and I think that's um, therefore, if we're doing that, generally in our day to day lives that mm. puts us into relationship with people yeah and once we're in relationship with people and we love people then that in my mind that is a position um a platform to then have a, a joint investment you have a relationship with someone they're interested in your life they're invested in your life yeah they they want to know your story and why you are the way you are why you do the things you do why you hold the views that you hold and that leads to a story that includes Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so you're talking about a very organic kind of way of preaching the gospel, less with words and more with actions and more out of relationship. It mm -hmm. can be with words, but look, I think that in, the, in real simple terms, people want to, as humans, we want to hear, I want to hear your story. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear about Jesus. I want to hear about you. Yeah. And, and yeah. vice versa. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. what we relate to first. Yeah. Um, and when we d we dig in and, and we start to figure out, oh, actually, you keep telling me that you're, um, you know, very peaceful and free and 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 not held back and, and uh, you know, I, I see these things that I think are desirable or I want in your life, yes. and you're telling me the reason is because you have this faith and it's about Jesus, um, but you didn't you didn't mm. come to me and mm. say you must accept Jesus because you will be peaceful and faithful and kind and patient. Yeah, this is good. This is good. I mean, this is this is something I kind of want to get in more into because I feel like I'm learning myself all the time about this as well. And like specifically like a specific example is with the close friends that we have um that are non-Christians. So this is these are people who are part of our life. We value them. We hang out with them. Um you know, we we have a strong relationship with, but they're they're completely have no relationship with God, no understanding of Christianity whatsoever. And they're, sometimes they're happy with that and they're fine with that. And it's kind of like, how, how do you view those people? Do you feel like you are burdened with having to somehow um, teach them about Jesus, somehow, um, you know, find a way to get them into a relationship with God so that they can experience what you experience? Or are you just like, you know what, I'm just going to love them, I'm just going to be friends with them. I mean, do you try to share the gospel actively? You, mm. you know, do you try to do you try to bring Jesus up in, in in conversations and stuff like that? Or yeah, I mean, it's, I think for me, I I work in like a workplace where it's a different level, sort of different group of people than you would maybe get mm. in other places. And I find a lot of the people that I engage with in a day to day basis who don't know Christ have very much got 
they're almost forming their own worldviews all the time. Yeah. So for me, I've got, I feel like I've got to like clear the rubble. I can't just kind of talk to people about God's love because there's, there's so much of a worldview you've got to break down first yes, of all. Yes, yeah. And they're all, they're all very well read. They're all really, you know, listen to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks. And you've got to like, for me, I feel like, and I, I think it's different depending on the people that you're, who, are, who do surround you, but I feel like I have to kind of just wade into that debate in an intelligible way and actually start to engage and start to almost break down mindsets. And then, so you need to engage in some of like the, the, the current affairs and some of the to, current topics of to, the day. Start to, pour, you know, start to bring down a few walls. I mean, I was in my, you know, my boss's boss's office the other day and he was reading Ecclesiastes to me. Mm. He's, he's saying that he's into Buddhism and, and Stoicism. And, right. uh, and then he's how reading... Did, how did that get him onto Ecclesiastes if he's into Buddhism? Because he, he's, reading, he's, he's, he's reading loads of different stuff. No, he's reading a book on happiness by an atheist called Jonathan Haid who, on a, who we heard about on a Sam Harris podcast. Yeah. And he was saying, this is amazing. This guy, he, he said to me, you know, there's no such thing as right and wrong. These things are just made up. Scientifically, we're just atoms. There's no such well, thing It's a very as... convenient idea, that, isn't it? <laughs> right and wrong, right? So this is, this is, this is like... Time to read C.S. Lewis. <laughs> this, is my, this, this is like... A, uh, and these are conversations I have almost every other day with people. And they're like, this, I'm, you know, this, is, this is all just made up. There is no such thing. You know, you, you've got to define your own meaning. And you, they're, they're reading this and they're reading that. And for me, it's like, you know, I could sit there and say, well, you know, from this and this, but Christianity is the only worldview that really offers any hope. The only worldview that makes any sense. Okay. So you well, just start, went straight there. You went start, straight in there. State, I went straight in there because he was like, oh, you know, there's no such, you know. And I was like, no, I think Christianity is... And you, and you said, I'm open-minded. So you can have like these conversations where you mm. can kind of be like, actually, you can have a Christian challenging these like norms that are maybe popular mm. and actually starting to have re understand a lot of the debates, a lot of the discussions. And then you, you feel like that is what is going to challenge people at the, you know, in, in, where they are right now, specifically around the people that I work with. Yes. Um, and then once, once, once the guard can be lowered, you've got a bit more inroad to talk about God's love and what that means. But first of all, you've got to define, is, is, is there a right and wrong? Is there such thing as a God? Is yeah. it just, are we just made up of atoms? And you, I, I feel like I have to start in those places. I mean, certainly people like Sam Harris, Jordan Peterson, Richard Dawkins, all those kind of things, they are, they are actually contributing to a debate which is getting people to think, which I think is a good thing because it's better for people to be thinking about these things because if they think about it enough... Yeah. They are only going to come to the conclusion that Jesus is the best. And a lot of these people have read the best solution. A lot of these guys have read like yeah, Jordan Peterson. You know, they're all clued yeah, yeah. up. They all I, understand. They're yeah. understanding the debates and stuff. I think things yeah. like this do create opportunities for great conversation. And and I've had a few of those as well, which are which have come off the back of people exploring different ideas and stuff. And then we can talk about Jesus. But what about the guys that are not? not into that they're, they're mm. not really thinking about life on that level they just have a more simple approach to life and they're just happy as they are and they're not thinking on that level how do we I mean can you think of any friends mm. like that that you have and you're like okay how do I ever get this the conversation going with these guys or how do I ever mm. how do I ever evangelize to these guys how do I preach the gospel to these guys yeah I think in those circumstances especially where it's it's close friends unfortunately why in my experience you don't get those opportunities until something goes wrong yeah. in their lives. Yeah, mm. so true. Something true. doesn't work out how they wanted it to, something fails, you know, there's a tough time. Um, and, and then you get to go and be that friend. Mm. Um, and, you know, you actually have an opportunity then to explain your, you know, your peace, your your view of the future, your hope, um, and how that works for you. I think that's, that's, that's an opportunity 
for sure. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I think I think in, in my experience of, of I think people need to see evidence. If they're not necessarily searching for something, they need to see evidence that something else does exist and is real. So I had yeah. Yeah. years ago, um, there a group of us in, in Southeast London, we'd get together and we'd pray every Wednesday and one of our students, one of my students at my school was on a kidney transplant waiting list. He'd been on the transplant waiting list for years and years and years. And I told his mom, I went to the hospital to visit this kid, met with his mom. And I said, hey, is it all right if I ask my friends, we mm. meet every, every Wednesday, we're meeting tomorrow. Is that all right if, if we pray for, for your son? And she said, yes. And so uh, the next morning we prayed for him. And then I believe Wednesday afternoon, I went to school, mm. went to work, and said he, they found the donor that mm. same exact day. He'd been on a waiting list for years. So obviously I tell my boss, I tell my colleagues, hey, like he's, he's, this, could, this could be a coincidence, but he's been on a waiting list for years mm. and years and years. Mm. Yeah. We prayed for him by name this morning and this afternoon, or it was the next day. I, I don't want to mess that up. But yeah, yeah. Good. He, he got a new kidney. He was in surgery, came out wow. of surgery. Um, and then, you know, from then on, that opened a relationship with his family, opened a relationship and even conversation with other coworkers. And even again, um, last year, the year before at, at work, um, uh, my boss makes jokes that I'm a Christian. We'll, we'll, you know, we, we're, if our school is having difficulties, she'll say, oh, Adam, you've got connections. You can pray. You know, pray, uh-huh. pray to the guy upstairs. Very good. And this is in a public meeting with our school leaders. So uh-huh. we're sitting around talking about this. And she's like, oh, man, hopeless. Adam, talk to your connections. And, that, and that's what she'll say. And, you know, another, another colleague was having um, difficulties with one of her family members. And I just said, hey, um, I don't know what this worth, what's this worth, what it's worth to you. Um, but whatever connections I have with God right now, like I'm praying for your mother right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, it brought her to tears. And it, and it completely shifted because um, she'd been hurt by the church. Um, yeah, yeah. Her, her father was a vicar. Um, all sorts of all sorts of things had happened. And to see the doors and the inroads that that opens up, that there's evidence of God moving, there's evidence, hopefully, in my life that speaks volumes to these people that uh, there is something else out there. Mm-hmm. I need it. I want it. Um, and again, a friend will often ask me, hey, do you feel, do you sense something is weird here? Do you sense something's evil here or if something's okay? And, and spiritually she'll ask these questions and I it's like, well, I don't, I don't necessarily think anything. Uh, I'm not quite on that wavelength, but at least she's asking those questions. She's, she's searching mm. for these answers. She's, mm. she's embracing this mystery that I think sometimes this term evangelism, when we make it so black and white, I think it erases the mystery of, yeah, of what, a journey with God looks like, what that walk looks like. Um, you know, that, that road to Emmaus when the disciples are walking with Jesus. The journey of discovery, right? Right, right. And that's where I think sometimes the hands up, you're a Christian now, like, mm. congratulations, you're saved, mm. welcome to heaven. That could be, that very well could be true. But I think it's missing this this deep, deep mystery that's involved with these East, with, yeah. with first Judaism, the Old Testament, which is which is loaded with mystery, and then the life of Christ, which is full of mystery. If you mm. read about it, it's not black and white. He might get black and white with the Pharisees, mm. but he's full of adventure. He's full of um, 
journey. It's, it's, it is about that journey and that walk and the exploration with God. And I'm, I'm more apt now to say, ask someone, so how's, you know, do you walk with God rather than mm. are you a Christian? Now I know that only because Christian has bad connotations and I know we need to reclaim that word back, but you know, it's yeah, often, yeah. are they walking with the Lord? Like, are they walking with God? Mm. Like, Rather than are they a believer? Because that are you? That's a quite a Christianese means... phrase. That is still quite a Christianese phrase. I'm not What's sure how that? many of my friends would understand what I would. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Say, are you walking say, with God? Okay. Do you, do you? You know? Do you? I think with with people maybe who don't understand the lingo. Yeah, I think you're right. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily. But take what that I, to so, so I guess what you're trying to say is for you maybe it's more important rather than trying to get them over a line, this like magical line where we say okay. And, and at this point you're in death now at this point you're in life just you know and maybe Christianity does work like that but you're, you're saying that it's more about trying to engage them in the journey and the process of searching after God and getting to know God for themselves and that and that journey of discovery right yeah I th for me I think so or encouraging that journey of discovery yeah and even and even you know when Jesus is on the cross and, the, and one of the guys looks at him he just says remember me please in paradise like just please remember me and jesus is like yeah right. uh, yeah and i think that's it like yeah. that's it like it's mm. it's mm -hmm. and i think what we, we forget sometimes or it's easy to forget is the seek and you'll find knock and the door will be open to yeah. to you mm. not by someone else yeah you know almost like, almost like sowing seeds isn't it rather yeah. than trying to get someone over the line you can't save someone yeah yeah you, you can we you can nudge someone, someone in the right direction mm. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's that's so true because often I don't know whether you guys have ever had a point in your life or you you go through points in your life where you're we can literally be burdened with mm. with people's salvation. You know I mean, especially or you know when it comes to family members and stuff like that as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I I still have friends who I feel like I've, I I carry that burden for some time, and I'm really I really carry their salvation close to my heart. But if I'm honest, it's not really helping me to minister to them any better because sometimes I just feel like I'm a little bit too too full on. I'm a little bit too enthusiastic with my desire for them to know Christ. And I try not to be too preachy. I try not to be too in their face. Um, but at the same time, I feel like every day I'm learning a new truth that is game-changing, that is helping me so much in my life. And I feel like it's only mm, natural mm. that I would want to share that. And I feel like if you are seeking God and if you are pursuing God, you are going to be learning things about him and about the world that are amazing, mm. um, that are truly life-changing. And it's the most natural thing in the world to to want to share that. Um, but I think some of the mistakes that I've that I've made, and I don't know whether you guys have any uh, examples of mistakes that you, you've made in trying to share the gospel, but I feel like sometimes one of the worst things that I big makes that I mistake, the worst thing I can do is kind of like taking that idea that I have the answer and trying to give people the answer. It's like, you know, I found the answer to this truth. I found the answer to this, well, to the to all mankind. You know, every 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 affliction of mankind can mm. be answered by Christ. And sometimes you feel like you have a very clear answer to a specific situation. You try to sow that into someone's life, but they're, they're, not, they're not ready for that. Mm. They're, you know, really they need more of what's in you than what... Than, uh, than what you know. And I feel like that is a mistake I'm, I'm constantly trying to pull myself back from and I'm learning more and more mm. about as I grow older. Like you talked about, Glenn, you know, just mm. sharing what where you're at, what you've got in your life and what's going on in your life. Only problem I have is with that is sometimes I, I hate people talking about the, all about themselves and so I try to retreat 
from talking about myself, but then if I'm not talking about myself, then how do I actually share what God is doing in my life? So, so for me, trying mm. to find that balance. I think people see more than they hear. Okay, yeah. So, you know, yeah. In, in terms of, of demonstration. So mm. if, you, if you, you know, if one of us uh, feels like we, we know the answer, um, it might be better that we don't just blur the answer, mm. but that actually we, we demonstrate sacrifice and selflessness yes. by going to that person and just yeah. just being there yeah. and just being present yeah. um, and and we we don't have to say oh you know I've sacrificed time with my family tonight to be mm. with you um, but you know we can just do it yeah. um, and, and I think sometimes that's um, a demonstration that people see um, and understand and they know that oh actually when I needed you you were present yes um, and then it helps them to dig into well I wonder why I wonder why you would do that um, mm-hmm. You know, you must be a great friend, but is it yeah. more than that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those are the things that it's always like actions speak louder mm-hmm. than words, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely coming to that place. I mean, I've, I've got quite a few friends who I've, I've I've talked to death about God and about Christ, and it's been an open it's been an open conversation. You know, they've mm-hmm. been interested in it as well. But nothing I've really said has ever made a difference. And I'm just like, you know what? With these guys, the most important thing I'm ever going to do is just stay loyal to them, no matter what happens in life. Is that I'm always going to be there for them. Um, that I'm always going to be present when they need me. And if if my words haven't worked yet, which they haven't, I don't know whether I'm phrasing my words in the wrong way or whether it's just, you know, uh, coming you from the wrong angle. Yeah, you don't know that have though to, have to have those actions consistent. Mm, and I'm yeah. just hoping and believing now that those actions are ultimately going to be the thing mm. that that makes a difference. Yeah, but yeah. Your, your words may have, have had some effect and, and they may not be showing you that they have, but you don't know yeah. that, you know, and that's where yeah. we, it's good to feel the weight of the burden, but not mm-hmm. carry the burden, yeah. I think, and that's where yeah. we, we, mm-hmm. we do, you know, we say to God, well, we, we can, I can only do what I can do, God, you've got to do the rest, you know, mm-hmm. it's a really simple, well, it's the sinner's prayer, isn't it, but it, it's very simple giving up of, of the issue, so you understand the weight of it, but that you're not actually tasked with carrying the burden, in, in my view. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then, and there's, there's that long-term view as well, even in, um, in, I think Corinthians, where Paul writes, you know, Paul watered the seed. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, Paul exactly. planted the seed, Apollos watered, watered the it. seed, yeah. but it's God who makes it grow. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so I, I I think sometimes it is taking that long-term view and and trusting God that, yeah, you're doing what you can mm-hmm. to to communicate the heart of God to these guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's John the Baptist, you know. John John makes the way. He he ushers it in and prepares it for Jesus and never sees it. Gets yeah. his head cut off. Yeah. He's in mm. prison and he has to send his his disciples to Jesus to ask if he is the Messiah. Mm. Because he, he doesn't get to see it, you know, but he prepared the way. Yeah, so mm. true. So true. So I th- I think we've really covered really well some of the kind of things that we that we do personally and the kind of things that we take responsibility for. But I also want to like kind of like um discuss just kind of Christianity in the wider sphere and just Christians in general in the community or in in um, in contemporary community or the way the world sees us. Do you think Christianity at the moment is doing a good job of sharing the gospel to the world? I think sometimes it can feel quite detached from like general sort of secular mm. thinking. And I think, I think Adam touched on it a little bit. I think us as Christians and us as the church together, I think we have to do a better job at being people that like shine as like, you know, wonder that actually, you know, can appreciate music and can appreciate mm. nature and like that kind of like awe-inspiring wonder 
where people want to be like in a street you want you want to be that person that's the life of the street people can come and talk to you and then come into your house and they can eat with you I think sometimes as Christians we can be so good at just pushing stuff but staying in our own box and I think I think sometimes the best way is just to be like the most alive person that there is mm. yeah, and often I find sometimes you, the non-Christians can be have their own hobbies and their passions and Christians almost like falling asleep, you know, at the wheel. And I think, and I think that, that, that wonder, that mystery, you know, Jesus at the wedding, he started off, you know, at the, the wedding of Cana at the center of the party. This idea of like us being bright and alive and full of wonder and childlike. Yeah. And having great family meals and having like community and communion and just, it's, I think that's, I think something simple, but it's really important that that is primarily how Christians are seen. You know, they can engage academically, intellectually, sound, full of life, full of love, full of laughter, you know, family. They're not the ones that can have great beliefs, but people struggle to kind of get to know them. And, you know, I mean, I think that's pretty where we should start first. Okay. Not, not just the socks and sandals crowd anymore. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, there are certain prejudices that we have to kind of like get past, isn't there? I mean, how, what, what, how do you guys feel when you speak to a complete stranger, for instance, and you tell them you're a Christian, do you feel like there is an immediate perception that people have of you? Or do you feel like you have to fight against that? Is there, or, or, do, you, or do you feel like it's generally becoming a more positive response these days? I think experience that, that comes to mind for me is there, there's someone who has a, a very clear view on anything self-help related. And she lumps religion organized religion in with that okay, and yeah. so she sees it as a complete as a complete crutch as something that's just to make people feel happy about themselves waste their waste mm. their money and in effort to try to feel better about their miserable lives and mm. that's how she sees it mm. and i say well that's that i'm, I'm sorry that you, you you feel that way and you see it that way and i can understand from your experiences why why that's true for you. Mm -hmm. I can completely see that. But for me, it's my idea of, of faith and of who God is, is that he's the most, the most perfect form of love. Mm. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the greatest form of love that I could ever think of yes. beyond the greatest and most perfect and funnest and, and most exciting form of love that I could think of. And mm. you know, I heard... And that was, and that that had been real. I heard our pastor once say, he said, um, if you, it was in church service and people had their hands up and he said, if you're just wondering what on earth us crazy Christians are doing lifting our hand, it's because we found love and we believe that's in God. And so if you, if you're not a Christian, you're just wondering what the heck is happening here. I just encourage you to think about the greatest and the most perfect form of love you can think about. Mm. Because that's what we're worshiping right now. Yes. Yeah. So good. So true. Mm. And it's something I've been thinking about lately as well. I mean, I think I spoke to a friend for the first time. And I think in all my time trying to share the gospel, it's the first time I ever told somebody that I, I love God. I love Jesus. It's not something I believe in my mind. It's not something I've... I figured out as I've grown up and, you know, put two and two together and uh, come to this conclusion, I just realized, you know, that as I've grown older, I've just realized how much I deeply, deeply love the Lord. Mm. And it's, 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 it's a deep emotional 
thing. It's not it's not something I hold in my mind. It's something that is in the in the in the deep in my gut. And uh, it didn't feel like the manliest thing to tell him uh, at the time, but I felt like you know what you've 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 spoken so much over the years about the technical things and you know about the the academic things and you know the 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 interesting reasons why God is good or trying to prove the argument. But have you ever told him? just how much that you feel like God loves you and how much that mm. makes you love him back. Um, and as a, as a father specifically, I, you know, just talking about that and, I, and, I, and I'm hoping that, that that made a difference, you know, just taking it to another level. And I think that is something that we have to, you know, speak better about. And like I said, it's not the most manly thing to talk about how much we love Jesus. We always want to lead mm. with, I think as a guy, you want to lead with the most intellectual thing, mm. with the most convincing thing, you know. But to say, you know, I've got a deep relationship with God. It doesn't it doesn't come across all that masculine, but it's it's incredibly incredibly powerful because whether we like it or not, every guy out there wants to be able to feel a strong emotion about something. And the fact that we have a strong emotion and we have a passion for Christ, that, that's an attractive thing. I don't think anyone's going to look at you and say, "Oh, that's pathetic." You know, how can you love something that you don't even know exists? Mm. I think if 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 they know that our heart can engage at that level, that's as convincing as anything else, mm. you know? Okay, just to try and um, bring this to a close then, what, what do you think we should take from this, what, from this discussion? What do you think you're going to go outside tomorrow and you're going to think, what is, what is the main way I need to be sharing the gospel? Out of everything that we've talked about, the do's and the don'ts, the good things that have worked and not, what, what, what for you is going to be one of the, 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 um, the key takeaways that you may be, Dan, that you might take into the office tomorrow or... Or Glenn, you know, with 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 your mates and and, and yeah. Adam with your um with your with your work colleagues and uh, and and all your friends. Sounds like most of them are girls, by the way. Um, mm. You know, what what what's is 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 it, are you reshaping taking any of your ideas? Still, taking applications <laughs> right now, so mm. just throw that one out there. Has this helped you to reshape any of your ideas, or do you, or do you think you know you? Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good good chat tonight. I I think it's good reminder just to cultivate that that heart again to be connected to God so that, like what Glenn was saying, you know, you do more by how you live than what you talk about. Mm. And there's nothing better than just being full of love and freedom and capacity to, yeah. to you know, to happy to go last and be last in line. Yeah. And, and, to, and to be confident in that. And I think that's, that's that, those radical moves are really what shout loudest. And I think living in that freedom, you know, I think that's, that's probably my takeaway. Yeah, Very good. I, I think for me, what this this conversation has helped, I think just give a different idea, and really to bring it back to, yeah, our, our job is to communicate that there is a God who loves. Yeah. And and I think for me, that we, we know, and we have to know and have to believe that God loves everybody that we come across. So how are they going to know that through our interaction? Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's me saying, hey, like, God loves you, um, or me maybe asking God, God, what are you saying about this person right now? How can I encourage them in, in what, they're, what they're working on, what they're doing, um, you know, what's happening in their career, whatever it might be? For me, I think what, it, what it's helped to do is, is to really hone that back in. God loves everybody. How can I communicate that to that person yeah. specifically in, yeah. the, in that time? Yeah. Which I can think can be a very tricky thing to do, and it's hard to find the right balance in that sometimes, and come across genuine and authentic without making people feel uncomfortable. But I think I think you've all kind of like mentioned it here, and I think it's it's made me think again 
you know, one of the most effective ways that we can minister to people or evangelize, whatever you want to call it, is to, to let them know, I think, that we're praying for them. Because I don't think anybody ever gets offended at mm. saying that you're praying for them. It's the most inoffensive thing that you can do. There's just no offense that can be taken. What do you mean you're going to talk to someone about me who I don't believe exists? Well, if you don't believe exists, then there's absolutely no harm that can be done. No one ever says that. And pretty much all the time when someone say, when you say you're praying for someone, they always mm. respond thank you because yeah. even if they don't believe in the prayer of prayer, yeah. they still you're still telling them you're putting, um, you're giving emotional effort towards their well-being. You're, you're willing to plead on their behalf to what you believe, uh, to the Father that we believe in. And I think, I think people always respond to that. And I think, you know, it opens the door, doesn't it? And it creates a place for God to work and you put things in his hands and you can't like, release yourself from that burden as well. Um, you know, I, I, I don't remember who said it, but one term person who said he was going to pray for someone, he says, you know, it's up to God now, it's his rep, not mine. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's that's good because you're kind of like releasing the burden mm. of it. You're just, you're just praying for mm-hmm. it and um, letting God letting God do what he does. Glenn, do you want to yeah, I think have the, the last word? Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Um, so I think all I was thinking, we haven't talked about this specifically, but I think the the thing, the takeaway for me is is probably to guard against um, over familiarity. You know, we go to the same work. Well, I, I go to the same workplace. You know, every day, we, the, the family doesn't change. You know, mm. friends at this point in our lives don't change a lot, and it's easy to become over familiar and therefore complacent. Yeah. And I think I think what Adam's talking about around um, God's love, you know, his love doesn't diminish for these people it, just because we know them better and we've known them longer. Yeah. Um, so that I think that's that's the personal challenge that I'm taking away that I need to remember that when I go back into these these circumstances um, that they're not circumstances, they're people. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're actual people that God cares about. Um, and the challenge for me is not to miss that in over-familiarity and, um, mm. yeah, contempt. Very good. Excellent stuff, guys. M- many things to think about and to take into the to the weeks and months ahead. But uh, no, no Thinking Room podcast is ever complete without some uh, literary inspiration. So before we go, we'll uh, we'll finish with our last item of the day. And that is what's Dan reading? Dan, I think you've got something along the lines of the topic that we've been talking yeah, about to I'm, inspire us with. Someone's reading a few things at once, but I, I think I'll think about tonight that that sounds really arrogant, doesn't it? He's always reading. I didn't even. I'm just loving you. I didn't even. I didn't even mean it like that. I meant. I was thinking, what? What should I say tonight? Because I'm always reading like four books, which is a bad habit. Jerk. So I just start something and close it. Not like multitask at all. I just get bored. Um, but I was actually chatting with a friend at work because we used to do these like philosophy sessions and talk about. He was reading like philosophy and stuff. So I actually asked him because I like reading. Fi- he reads a lot of fiction. And often fiction helps you understand what makes sense of the world. I said to him, what's the, what, what's the, fav, what's the best book that you think you've ever read? Mm. And he was like, I think probably the best book I've ever read was a book written by a Norwegian guy to a 15-year-old girl, his 15-year-old daughter, by a book called Sophie's World. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like a kind of book that teenage, like aimed for sort of teenage girls to read. Um, so I thought I'd buy that and read it. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> That's so what, it sounds that's really random, really doesn't it? Same interest. That's what you call really branching out. Right. Yeah, so I'm going, you know. So, and it's, it's basically a Norwegian It's a Norwegian author, written a book called Sophie's World. It's, in it's, in uh, English, I assume, though. No, originally, you, you originally, that originally a Norwegian book. Can you translate his name? I think it's a guy called Jostine Garda, something like that. I'll probably pronounce it absolutely wrong. You, your wife can probably 
my Danish shout, wife shout, could shout, have shout a better go, yes. Yeah. But he, he, so he sold over 40 million copies. Really? He's obviously a rich man off of it. I didn't realise there was that many people in Norway. No, it's I know. Like ten times the right. population in Norway. <laughs> like everyone in Norway. It's like everyone in Norway, but it's ten That's times. why they had to translate it. <laughs> yeah. but it's, they it's really a, love that book. Yeah, so it's about this kind of philosophy instructor who's basically leaving these notes in the post. And it's this kind of like mysterious story around it. And this kind of 14, 15-year-old girl is picking these notes up and he's kind of basically instructing her yeah. on philosophy. But it kind of like weaves like religion and science all together throughout and, and history all together. Okay. And it's and it, she's kind of engaging different parts of like worldviews all all along. And it's a really good to like build up that knowledge because I find in the workplace now people are looking for different worldviews to answer different mm. things. And actually having that picture and you realize that like a lot of people are kind of moving towards the great the worldview of having some sort of like god or some sort of like moral standard. Yeah. And these things have been in, like debated intellectually and you can start to engage people. And I think another thing about like mentioning this book as well today is that it's quite also good to, to talk to people at work what they're reading. Yeah. And actually to be a listener for me, like I'm not just reading Christian books anymore. I'm reading books that are really touching people's hearts. Mm. I'm going to read those books and I'm often exchanging book ideas with my colleagues at work. So I can actually try to engage with them as well. If they're reading these types of fiction, then what's touching their heart? Let me read that and show that I can also come down and learn. So if they're reading like Sam Harris or something, let me let me go down that way, and I can have t- conversations about it because they're really, yeah, very they're, good. They're, they're really they're sort of taking in and thinking about it, and I think that's really helped. Yes, um, and it is a, it is a thing that we've mentioned before in the thinking room: the ability to understand where people are coming from, to kind of like the understand the world in which we live, to understand some of the ideas of secular society and how they frame people's thoughts so that we can better understand them and then, you know, better understand how to share Jesus with them. And that is a theme that we are going to be coming back to again and again. Maybe in um, in a few episodes' time, we may even get more specific on that. So stay tuned for what we bring you there. But that's it for this month. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Thank you guys for being part of the show again and for giving us your thoughts. And uh, thanks for listening at home. Thanks for being a part of the conversation. And we ask you again to share with your friends on Instagram and social media and other things you got going on iTunes and reviews and all that kind of things. It all helps to keep the conversation going and keep us all on our toes and keep us thinking. But for now, that's it. We'll see you again for next month's episode. Until then, take care. Bye bye. <laughs>